1: Yesterday, our guest, Matthew Bell, shared how before he starts his day, before he goes into a meeting, before he makes a business decision, he really focuses and prays over Proverbs 16.3. And then when I talked to a listener last night, they were like, what was that verse that that guy talked about? That was really powerful. So I felt like it was worth repeating. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. And um, I think that this is really a great thing to um, spend some time focusing on, meditating on, and really making sure that what we're committing to the Lord is what he wants us to be doing.
2: Right. And, and there's a certain process in this. This is not go ahead and do your thing and then say, Lord, would you please yeah. bless that? It's before you do anything, saying, Lord, would you guide my steps? Would you guide my thoughts? Would you guide my interactions? Would you help me to see what you see as I interact with these people? Right. And, and bless my steps and your plans will succeed. That's a different approach. That's putting the Lord first and right. then following.
1: Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's a really good point, Jim, because a lot of us just go, okay, Lord, here's what I've already put on my calendar for today, now I want you to bless it. That's not what he's talking about. It's a heart issue. Are we doing what God wants us to do?
2: Proverbs sixteen three. say it one more time.
1: Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed.
2: All right, have you ever felt like your job was killing you? I have. In fact, one day my doctor told me, Jim, if you don't quit your job, you're going to have a heart attack. My blood pressure was high. My heart was aching. I was devastated because it was an industry that I loved, but the frustration factor was immense. So what do you do when you feel like you're on the edge, on the edge in all areas of your life and all those around you are being negatively affected, especially your family? What do you do? Who do you talk to? Today, we're going to talk with one executive from Dallas, Texas, Steve Ramser. He came to this place in his life, that spot where his life was a mess, and we just asked him if he would share it with him. Steve Ramser, welcome to I Work For Him. Talk to us about your Jesus story. Talk to us about how you first came to be a Christ follower.
3: Sure. I grew up uh, in a in a religious family, but never really heard the gospel, and uh, shortly after my, my wife and I were married, we we moved to Dallas. I had just recently graduated from college. We were in the middle of the, the Great Texas Depression and found a job in Dallas. One of the men I worked with, Mark Weiswig, um, was a very strong believer, and there was something different about him. Um, he wasn't proselytizing at work or anything like that. He just... Uh, the way he managed his expense reports or uh, the way he handled his clients, he put their interests first or negotiated contracts, it was just different. And he was my mentor. And Angie and I were attending a, a church at the time, and there, was, there were some comments during a Sunday school class that didn't really sound right to me. I didn't know much, but uh, the, the, the person was teaching that Jesus didn't bodily rise from the dead. And I didn't know a lot, but that didn't sound right to me. And so I went to work, and I, I, told, I asked Mark on that Monday, I said, hey, was in Sunday school. Here's what I heard. Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And Mark said, you know, Steve, would you like to hear what the Bible has to say about that? I said, sure. So we brown bagged it in the courtyard in our office building there in Addison for about six weeks. And he walked me through truths that transform and took me through the gospel and answered all of my annoying questions and was patient with me. Little did I know it, his navigators group was praying for me behind the scenes. And one Sunday night, about six weeks after we started meeting, um, I was in our small two-bedroom home in Farmer's Branch. My wife had gone to bed, and I was contemplating two paths. I was contemplating suicide and coming to Christ, and the Lord literally knocked me to the ground and saved me. And I walked in the next morning, asked Mark to meet in the conference room, and I said, I'm... not sure what happened last night, but it's like the lights came on, and this big burden rolled off my shoulders, and he said, you've been saved. And uh, he began discipling me, he baptized me um, in the church there, and then he spent uh, two years discipling me before I went back to, to graduate school.
2: So talk to us about then, okay, since you were led to Christ in the workplace, you, were at, you had a decided advantage over most people in that your faith and your work were already intricately connected. But how did your faith shape your work from that point going forward? And and how did your wife come to the Lord later? I mean, share that story. Because she's she's going, Wow, my husband just went through a remarkable transformation because you know she noticed. What was the story there?
3: Well the <laughs> the transformation was was radical uh, from what, from her perspective, from who I, who I was growing up, I was a street fighter and I was, I was, I was the, I was not, I was not the good kid uh, growing up, let's just say that. And, um, she, she saw what happened with me. She thought I had literally gone crazy. And it was a, it was a rough, rocky six month period of time before the Lord was pleased to, to save her. And, Uh, Again, I think the key to this is not really what led... Obviously, the Holy Spirit was leading up to uh, my salvation, but it was really the embrace that Mark put around us in discipleship after that salvation. And being a navigator, you know, that's kind of like Bud's uh, Navy SEAL training, right, when being a disciple by a navigator. And and they embraced both Angie and me and then got us plugged into a a solid church in Richardson.
2: So in the last... 32 years, you've seen a lot of life. You've worked a lot. How did your faith start to shape your work?
3: It changed everything. Um, you know, I ended up after 18 months there with, with that company going back to get, I don't really know what it was like in Texas at the time. The, the economy was, was really in the tank. And I went back to get a, a master's degree. And during that time, we fell in with a, a very strong Group of graduate students, post grad, doctoral students, who um, were discipling one another for the two years in in graduate school. We traveled together, camped together, hung out together, couples, and everything was kind of shaped. It's almost like you know, Paul going down into Nabatean Arabia, right? For three years, it was like this 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 intensive shaping period. That when I graduated from. Um, with my master's, when we moved up to Seattle, I took my first job. My work had been shaped by that experience um, to, to glorify God.
2: So let's go back to the question that I asked you at the beginning of the show. I asked you, how does your faith shape your work? You were led to Christ because of one man's example in being diligent and operating with excellence and how he handled the company's money through his expense report. You have 4,000 to 5,000. I mean, you listed off numbers it's between four and 5,000 people that r- report to you in an upline within an organization. You've now had an incredible experience from God, which he made very clear. I'm not done with you yet, Steve Ramzer. I'm not done but I needed you to have a fresh perspective on what I actually have in mind for you. How has that impacted how you manage down the line to those four or 5,000 people?
3: You know, it's, changed. it's changed the perspective on, on everything. And really, I'll, I'll summarize it into a, a couple of buckets. The first is time. Um, I, I've, I, have a, I have a strong sense of, of urgency and running through walls and, and getting things done, taking the hill, if you will. And now I factor in the, 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 the time that is going to take to accomplish that given project and add 30, 60, or 90 days and give myself and my team more time to do that, and that's really challenging for a, a Type A leader, right? Because you, you want to run through the walls and 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 achieve that that victory, um, but at what cost? So I think the first bucket would be be around time. The second bucket is around um, recognizing uh, strengths and weaknesses, and. Really, bringing in people who see those blind sides uh, the, that 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 blind side of of leadership and having them point out, okay, Steve, you're pushing over here too much, you need to back off, give yourself a break um, and then the the third area is really beginning the day with the Lord. I would say this is probably number one is I had always been studying and and teaching and and doing those types of things, but you can. You can get a seminary degree from from Dallas Seminary, and you can not spend time with the Lord.
2: Hmm. And okay, I'm hang on a on seminary. Hang, hang on a minute, because there's a lot of people that don't know how that's possible. They also don't know how it's possible to prepare for a sermon for twenty hours a week and not spend time with the Lord. Explain yeah. what you mean.
3: Sure, I, I taught Galatians last Sunday, um, and, and there and there, There's a difference. It's looking at that time of preparation as an action plan to get to an outcome. And the outcome is a 40-minute homily or a, a Sunday school lesson or whatever, right? I've shifted that perspective. The, the, the outcome now is enjoying the moment and the presence of the Lord. And then He takes care of what I taught last Sunday, and I taught in Africa 36 pastors for two weeks last year with two other individuals. We put over 100 hours in preparing the coursework. We we taught Christology, so you, I mean, you can't get any, any better than that, um, three hours a night for two weeks. And it was deep, rich, wonderful time, but I would love to go back and do it again now with what I know and just enjoy the fellowship and presence of the Lord and let Him determine the outcome.
2: We've only got a couple minutes left of the show. And and what you just said there, enjoy the fellowship of the Lord. Really just rest in him. Because Jesus was really good at doing what you've had to learn to do in the last year. Jesus was really good at being all in, in his gifting, doing what he's supposed to do, saying yes to those things important, saying no to those things. He didn't heal everybody. He healed certain people. But he was also good at really spending time with the Lord and getting rest and going and getting away. How... critical is that in the life of a Christ follower in their workplace mission field, to get that rest and that time of the Lord every day? Essential. Like essential, like eating every day kind of thing?
3: Like breathing. Like breathing. I think you can go, what, what, three minutes without breath and 30 days without food, or I forget what it is. But yeah, it's like breathing. And, And the rhythm is absolutely crucial that that whether, whether you think about the year of jubilee or the seven sevens or or the creation the rhythm in in creation um building that rhythm into the warp and woof of my life it has has really given me joy and peace in a way that i hadn't experienced it before
2: hmm. i just love the fact that that your story has... All of this is centered around your work, your workplace mission field. You've been able to live all this out in front of all of your people so they can see the transparency and the authenticity of your faith. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, definitely my mission
0: field, but ultimately, I work for him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him Power Pod with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Want more?